welcome to the third episode of Strings in the Air, a National Children's Broadcasting Day special, exploring the music of the string orchestra throughout history. Taking you through this journey is the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra, a training string orchestra that aims to promote classical music appreciation among the youth, raise awareness about orchestral music, and model values like discipline, hard work, and teamwork. We are your hosts, Aiden, Samara, and Basti. Join us as we explore the music of the string orchestra throughout the Romantic period. The Romantic period in art, not just in music, is characterized by an emphasis on the artist's emotions and expressions. In music, this paved the way for virtuosic celebrity. While virtuoso musicians definitely existed in Baroque and Classical periods, their stardom did not match that exhibited by Romantic performers such as Franz Liszt on the piano and, of course, Niccolo Paganini on the violin. Speaking of, we hear one work by Paganini, the Caprice No. 9, performed by our very own virtuoso, Teddy Tan. Thank you. 
The Romantic period was the time of great virtuosos, whose talent drew much admiration, as in Franz Liszt, or even rumor, as in Niccolò Paganini, who was said to have made a pact with the devil in order to gain unmatched talent. We heard Paganini's Caprice Number no. 9, performed by violinist Teddy Tan. Another way that music expanded in the Romantic period was the celebration of regional and ethnic styles. Dvorak incorporated Czech traditions in his music. Chopin, Polish, Liszt, Hungarian, Grieg, Norwegian, and so on. This was partly because of the rise of nationalism. While Manuel Ponce lived mostly in the 20th century, his deeply Mexican style would not have found much footing if it were not for the musical nationalists that came before him. We listen to one of Ponce's most famous works, Estrelita, performed by violinist Adrian Ong, an honorary member of the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra, and pianist Raul Sonico. Thank you. 
We heard violinist Adrian Ong and pianist Raul Sunico in Manuel Ponce's Estrellita. Styles and technique expanded in the Romantic period, as did orchestras, literally. The small string and wind orchestras of the 18th century grew to include more musicians and instruments. It was joked that Hector Berlioz even included a canon in his works. So, did the string orchestra still have a place in this period? Yes, some composers intentionally wrote works that hark back to earlier periods. Take, for example, Edvard Grieg and his Holberg Suite. Grieg's Holberg Suite is a suite of five movements written to commemorate the 200th birth anniversary of writer and philosopher Ludwig Holberg. As its title may suggest, its form is based on the Baroque Dance Suite. Originally written for piano, Grieg soon adapted the piece for string orchestra. Each movement of the suite represents a dance, Sarabande, Gavot, Rigodun, etc., hearkening back to the musical styles of the early 18th century. Here is the opening preludium of Grieg's Holberg Suite, performed by us. Under the baton of Sofia Bantilan, the first concertmaster of the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra. <laughs>
The opening movement of Edvard Grieg's Holberg Suite, an 18th century style suite that helped the string orchestra keep its place in the 19th century. You are listening to Strings in the Air, a National Children's Broadcasting Day special on the Master's Touch, 98.7 DZFE. We are your hosts, Basti, Aiden, and Samara. We were tasked to do this episode on romantic music. No. Because we're one of the older people. We are the old people. In the PSYR. Yeah. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. How did music change your life? I mean, for me, no. I've been playing my instrument for over four years. So you could say that I do short. Pero if you look back at my history, it has been a long while since I've met music. No? I've started playing the piano and then I moved to violin and then I moved to all other instruments, guitar, ukulele, until I finally reached cello. No? Partly because the lessons were free. <laughs> free lessons. Yeah, so like free lessons, therefore cello, cello already. I started playing the violin because it was part of our school's curriculum. I mean, I wasn't forced, but you know, I liked it. And then I just continued to, to play the violin and I joined a lot of groups until I joined PSYO. So now I'm taking up music in college. I picked the violin because like, my mom showed it to me and she told me to point out what instrument do you want to learn. So I just, as a kid, I just pointed at the violin because it sounded cool. I started around three, turning four. Shout out teacher Janine. She's been there from the start since like student in college. Personally, I like learning lots of instruments. I can barely focus on one. I like being able to play a lot of instruments. From violin, I branched out to guitar. I joined the band in my school. I ended up learning all the instruments, all the instruments my bandmates play. Learned all the instruments. instruments. I just learned drums recently. And I've been with music my entire life, even as a baby, because my mom always played classical music to me. I think even when I was in her womb, apparently. And my dad played the opposite of classical music, no man, which was stuff my mom didn't like me listening to. How would you describe the Suzuki method in terms of teaching repertoire? We start with Baroque and classical, right? Yes. So the latter books would be like your Mozart. Mm-hmm. Froggy, froggy, jump, jump. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. We start with that. Twinkle, yeah. twinkle. Twinkle, twinkle. Basically technique, if yeah. you see it. If you mm-hmm. see it no. So we develop that kind of technique. And then eventually we use that in romantic music. Yeah, mm-hmm. the techniques really. Yeah. We use that to express ourselves, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. And so now in college, our repertoire is mostly romantic, romantic. music. Wow. We're supposed to play one standard concerto every year. So I'm learning Brock's first concerto right now. I'm Good struggling job. with the first movement. Thank you. I need it, bud. <laughs> <laughs> By this point, you have your technique down and you hopefully like find your voice in expressing yourself. And you really need to find your voice because these pieces, famous pieces that's been played like hundreds, maybe even thousands of times, like so many musicians, there's that struggle of like finding some sort of originality. Well, for you, how would you actualize this finding of your voice? Uh, using your hopefully wide range of techniques. <laughs> like, you know, t- dabbling into these things and then really using them as tools of expression. 
Um, I guess in the Baroque and classical styles, if you may, your goal is to play almost like exactly. you're following mm-hmm. a metronome, yeah. and you use your dynamics for expression. Maybe not not so much actually, but the notes themselves and eventually the techniques mm-hmm. is like the expression. Yeah, my mistake hearing. in playing Baroque or classical music, I think that was during graduation, the recital. Mm-hmm. Teacher Patrick was the one uh, grading me. I think he told me the double back, that's Baroque, right? Yeah, he told me, oh, you're playing it too romantically. Mm. And a bunch of other songs as well. Because yeah. like, when I play, I tend to get lost in uh, my playing. Yeah. And I keep forgetting about the exactness or like you have to follow the notes or whatever was written. And I end up playing in like the way I feel the music mm-hmm. is being played. For me, that's how Baroque and Romantic, that's how I differentiate it. This kind of expression paved the way to virtuosity, if you think yeah. about it. No. Virtuosity for me, the basic definition is two words, the ditan. <laughs> Correct. Touché. Yeah. Touché. Yeah. I think virtuosity is finding that originality in your music, in your craft. I think also being a master of your craft. Mm-hmm. So having access to a whole range of techniques and expression and utilizing those techniques to express yourself the way you want to, mm-hmm. right? And it's this part of music making where your teacher can't tell you exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. They will just give you, I guess, an idea of what's being asked of you, mm-hmm. but then it's up to you to do whatever you want, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you could show off, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. there. Yes. That's also... Does this also highlight the individualism? I mean, it should. It does, right? Yeah, it does. Virtuosity in itself is a performer's aspect of his or her own interpretation of the material. Because of this individuality, we had an evolution of forms in classical music. For example, the concertos. The cadenzas, yes. In contrast to the um, solos of, let's say, Vivaldi's Four Seasons, it was, in a sense, a type of form where... It's your way of showing up. Yes. The role of the string orchestra is a quite peculiar one in its evolution. I guess this is when the concept of the string orchestra being the backbone of mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. orchestra was like I mean it was standardized yes. Yes. Started Stand- yeah. standardized because yeah. you have all sorts of instruments coming in you have your mm-hmm. winds um, and your percussion instruments yeah. and then you'll have your full orchestra of 100 yeah. members yes. and sometimes yeah. a choir too <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of people working together as a young orchestra I guess it's also a good time to say that we don't have a lot of um, romantic repertoire I guess so right because yeah. we're really young and we're really like working on the the techniques mm-hmm. and yeah eventually hopefully hopefully grow yeah. so mm-hmm. into like a bigger a bigger a bigger orchestra so, yeah <laughs> right yeah. the Suzuki method is centered around baroque music and technique yeah. mm-hmm. as it exemplifies a kind of standard for musical education yeah. that you can use forever. <laughs> <laughs> forever. Yes. This is where nationalistic themes came alive. Yeah. Even mm-hmm. in the Philippines, we had examples like Walang Sugat through Before. Severino Reyes and oh, Fulgencio yeah. Tolentino. 
Yeah, yeah. If you think about it, without romanticism, national identities couldn't have developed. Mm-hmm. This was also the the theme, I guess, like as a form of zeitgeist around that time, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Romantic composers did not just celebrate the musical styles of their own countries. They also celebrated the exotic Orient, as can be heard in the dance Bacchanal from Song Songs, Samson, and Delilah. French composer Camille Saint-Saëns' operatic masterpiece is a famous retelling of the fatal romance between Samson the Nazarite and Delilah. The dance Bacchanal is a famous excerpt from the end of the third act where the Philistines are in the Temple of Dagon, preparing to feast and celebrate their victory after capturing Samson. Camille Saint-Saëns was able to exude the feelings of grief, sensuality, and loss, eventually building up to a bombastic and grand ending. Here are Herrick Ortiz and the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra.
That was the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra performing the Wild Dance Bacchanal from Kami Sansan, Samson, and Delilah. We bid you goodbye with something more lighthearted, still from Kami Sansans. An avid traveler, Sansans rode the Carnival of the Animals while on vacation in Austria in 1886. The suite consists of 14 movements, each representing different animals or characters. The swan is the 13th movement of the Carnival of the Animals. It is one of Sansan's most famous and beloved pieces. It is characterized by its lyrical and expressive melody. The piece is serene and elegant, conveying a sense of grace and beauty. The gentle and flowing quality of the music is reminiscent of the elegant movements of a swan gliding across the water. He believed it to be merely a humorous musical suite, and for this reason, he never had it published in his lifetime. He also only gave private performances of the composition to close friends. However, after his death, the swan ironically became one of his most performed and recorded works. Let us now listen to Chalice Caitlin Chua. Thank you. 
The Swan from Camille Saint-Saëns, Carnival of the Animals. And that closes our romantic exploration of the string orchestra on Strings in the Air, a National Children's Broadcasting Day special. This program was produced in partnership with the Philippine Suzuki Youth Orchestra. Christmas bells start ringing next week as we close the entire series with music for the season. We would like to thank our researcher, Bella de Grit, and our editors, Tamara Salas and Sofia Bantilan. Do join us again here on the Master's Touch 98.7 DZFE. Once again, we are Samara, Basti, and Aiden. Thank you for listening. <laughs>